Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Our reading today is Luke 4, verses 16 through 30. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as, as, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Last week, you know, our kids were in here, and uh, after some front section of the service where I had been up front talking for a little while, we took a break, and my, one of my children came up to me, and the first thing she said to me was, use your hands too much. And I said, what are you talking about, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, the family has that sort of ability just to kind of honestly sort of know uh, who you are. The other kid, uh, we were out yesterday, and uh, we, they wanted to sled. And I'm like, it's not going to work, right? It's melting. And they're like, no, 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 it'll be great. And it turns out it was okay. But we were coming back, and this is way too much detail, but uh, I was like, did you get your gloves? She's like, no. Or she asked me, did you get your gloves? I was like, no, did you? Did you? Because she had taken them off. Did you get your gloves? They're your gloves, you know. And I don't have your gloves. And uh, she's like, yes, you do. I'm like, I don't have your gloves. She's like, you have your sarcastic face. <laughs> and uh, I said, I don't have a sarcastic What? What? <laughs> um, right? See, like family, they, they, they know us, right, uh, generally. That's not always the case, but, but it's a space in which we are known uh, in all of our sort of uh, best moments and Worst, and I think we see that uh, role at play a little bit. That that uh, move at play in this uh, reading this morning. That Jesus went to his hometown. They they knew him. Uh, they thought they knew him, right? They 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 knew him. It's not this Joseph's son, right? We know you, buddy. And uh, but but the flip of that story as well as Jesus also knows them, and we see those things uh, at play here this morning. He's in his hometown of Nazareth. This is a moment in Luke's gospel that's, uh, it's been sort of introductory material, right? His preparation, his birth and his preparation. We, we, we looked at uh, his baptism and his temptation in the wilderness, but now this is a turn in the story. This is sort of his first um, kind of public announcement of ministry, and he goes to his hometown, 
and preaches this sermon and his text is from Isaiah, but he's here in Nazareth. Scholars think that maybe, you know, it was a small village, maybe one to 200 people, uh, uh, maybe, you know, like 20 or so families. This was not a sort of big thriving community kind of there around in the Galilean region. Uh, you may recognize this moment from uh, actually another gospel uh, when uh, Philip goes to, to tell Nathaniel, hey man, we've, I've, we've, he's met Jesus and he runs to Nathaniel, John tells us, and he's like, we've, we've found the one that Moses and the prophets told us about. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel's response, does anyone remember? Nathaniel's like, Nazareth, what? N- nothing significant comes from there. Not necessarily because it's a bad place, but it's just small and insignificant, right? You, you must have your location wrong. And it's, it's this hometown where no doubt everyone knew Jesus and he, and he knew then that Jesus stands up in the synagogue uh, and reads uh, this passage from Isaiah, this beautiful, hope-filled passage, the Spirit of the Lord, a passage that has a rich history in the people of Israel, right? They would have gone to this uh, passage full of, of promise for their future. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Man, you know, you're going to the hometown crowd. Talk about, this is a beautiful place to be, a a beautiful passage to have picked up. And I I just want to sort of make the first observation uh, this morning that where we will start is that grace grace is good news. Grace is good news. That this is a passage full of the grace. You guys are just like, he really does use his hands a lot. <laughs> You're not hearing anything I'm saying, and uh, I'll just do, I'll do this. Uh, I don't think I could speak. <laughs> All right. Uh, right? This is a passage full of God's favor. Uh, that will be extended, his grace that we would, would be given uh, to all of these sort of markers of society that wouldn't, wouldn't hold status on their own, right? That God would be a defender, as we've seen already in Luke, that he will sort of flip the uh, script a bit and elevate the lowly and bring down the, the, the prideful, that, that this is a beautiful picture of God's grace uh, extended on behalf of those who, who uh, are, uh, you know, undeserving, that, that grace is really good, news. And you guys are like, man, Matt, I, yes, we knew that already. Uh, but I just want to say it again. You guys want to say it with me? Grace is really good news. Uh, okay. We'll just, uh, we'll let it, we'll let it be. But, uh, uh, so we, right here, verses 18 and 19, the heart of this message from Isaiah, uh, Jesus picks up full of, uh, promises of one who would sort of work God's goodness for his people uh, language like the poor, the blind, uh, liberty, which is uh, all of these are sort of robust words. They, they, they certainly mean uh, what they mean, sort of this material, materially poor, those who have uh, no doubt physically experienced it. But in Luke's sort of economy uh, in his gospel, they are much kind of bigger and richer. They're kind of, the poor in this case may be a marker of like status for all kinds of reasons one of which would be sort of material poverty, but uh, markers of status that would have put you at the sort of low end on the outside of, of whatever those status markers would have been, even in Luke's gospel, that, that here is Jesus saying God is going to work on behalf of those people. The blind, again in Luke, certainly the physical, we see Jesus actively uh, healing the blind, but, but it also carries this sort of broader feeling of revelation, those who, who, who would now be able to see and experience the, the grace, the salvation of, of God. Grace is good. 
So we'll try that again. Grace is? Yeah. Liberty, right? Liberty for captives and for the oppressed. It's the language of forgiveness, that they, that they would be forgiven, released, kind of set free in that sense, uh, uh, kind of brought out from under that, that debt, that, that weight. It's, it's language, uh, actually, it's language that has a, it's a rich Old Testament history, uh, this, the, the, this year of the favor of the Lord. Uh, in the story of the people of Israel, it's what's called the, the year of Jubilee, that every 49 years, God had built into the, 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 the pattern and plan for his people, never lived up to. But God had intended and built into their lives this year of jubilee that every 49 years, debts would be just canceled. Those in uh, oppression and slavery would be set uh, free, right? Life, in, in a sense, would begin uh, again for everyone. Could, could begin all, all over again. I think it's N.T. Wright, uh, New Testament scholar, uh, describes it as kind of like a cosmic sigh of relief. Just, just releasing people from the burdens of life that have accumulated over the 49 years previously, now given uh, release, favor, grace, for forgiveness. Jesus picks up this passage and reads it in his hometown. We know this guy. He says, yes, I know you too. Grace is really good news. In fact, he stands up and says, today, today, this passage is coming home for you in me. Today is language Luke will use again and again. We, we, we started in this story uh, last week, but then we went to Zacchaeus much later in the story as, as an example of the promises we read here. And in the Zacchaeus story, uh, Jesus says, today salvation has come to your house in, in me. Because, because of who I am as an expression of God's grace and favor in the world, uh, I, I, salvation has come to today. And so in this moment, this announcement, grace is really good news. We read in verse 22, uh, all spoke well of him, marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Right? All spoke well of him and marveled. So, so this is where we start. Man, grace is good news. Yes, grace is good news until it isn't. All right? Uh, as the story unfolds, right, this is sort of where we lived last week. It's the only bit of the story we considered. But, but uh, we see in the story this morning that grace is really good news until it's not, right, until it's not good news. You're like, what are you talking about, Matt? Well, it's, it's almost as though, as Michael read the story for us, Jesus, you know, everyone's excited, his grace-filled words, this is amazing, yes, yes, yes. Jesus is like, whoop, 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 pump the brakes. Let, let me clarify for a moment what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying. I want you to hear uh, really what I'm saying, grace is good news, yes, until it's not. And then Jesus goes into this, like, moment where, you know, they, he's already been in Capernaum. People have heard about what he's doing. Man, do those things here. And, and uh, then Jesus goes into these Old Testament stories of Elijah and Elisha, prophets like Jesus who had come to announce God's plan and purposes uh, in the world. And he goes to Elijah who, who worked uh, on behalf of, of, a, of a poor widow, uh, and you read your story in Kings, right? Elijah comes in and God sends Elijah to uh, help this widow in Zarephath. And Jesus brings this story to their attention. But just, just to really drive the point home, he says, that's, that's great, Elijah. But then he takes them to Elisha as well. And his example is maybe you know the story of a Naaman who comes to, comes to, to, to Elisha to, to find healing, his skin disease. And, uh, and, and Elisha, God through Elisha works on behalf of Naaman. 
uh, important qualifier, which Jesus will drive home, Naaman the Syrian, right, and the widow from Zarephath. So uh, Jesus is explicit, right? He uses these illustrations and then is explicit as to why, because he's driving the point home that these people are not from Israel. These are not hometown folk. Right? These, these, are not, these are not hometown folk. And yet, and yet, God in his grace is working on their behalf. I mean, Jesus says that there were plenty of uh, impoverished people in the nation of Israel that, G- that, that Elijah could have gone to. Uh, there were plenty of diseased and sick uh, in the nation of Israel that Elisha could have gone to. And yet, each of them God sent to people outside of the hometown crowd. So what, what is Jesus saying? Right, Jubilee, grace is good news until it's, until it's not. Because in this moment, Jesus is telling them that Jubilee will, will spill over to outsiders. Right? It, it will not be just yours to enjoy. And maybe we're like, I think sometimes we read passages like this and, and uh, you know, they get a bad rap. We're like, man, what, are you kidding me? We know the rest of the story. We're like, come on, right? This is really great news. But, but I think if we put ourselves sort of in their shoes, I mean, uh, we can understand grace, yes, generally is good news until, until it's, it's not. This is a, a, a people, right, who had known oppression, histories of oppression. And, uh, in fact, the, the passage from Isaiah that Jesus preaches from, he, he doesn't, uh, he stops one short of the, of the last phrase. So Isaiah, uh, in Isaiah 61, this, this beautiful passage, uh, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. That, that wrapped up in this message of hope was the hope, the promise that God would, would work retribution against their enemies. That this, that this work of God's favor would be on their behalf and opposed to and against uh, their enemies. And, and even in more recent memory, that's a bore us with some history, but uh, just in more recent memory for the people in Jesus' audience, around 167, 68 BC, uh, the story of, of, a, of a Greek king from Syria, uh, Antiochus IV, Epiphanes, right? There's a, a mouthful, but uh, he invades Jerusalem, and this is you know, documented sort of uh, in material, historical documents outside of scripture, attesting to this moment, invades uh, and in scripture, but invades uh, Jerusalem, captures the city, marches uh, into the temple, erects a, a, st- a statue of Zeus, and, and slaughters a pig on the altar of incense, sort of uh, this um, a moment known as uh, the abomination of, of desolation, right? Man, uh, powerful, right? But in a sense, right, again, Assyrian king in recent memory, having come in and, uh, and, and, and opposed, right, sort of kept them under the thumb. And here in this sermon, Jesus goes to an example of Assyrian commander and it says this is a picture of what it will mean for God's grace to work now in the world but interestingly in, in this moment Jesus says this is not just new I mean he goes to really old examples this has been a part of the story from the beginning but along the way the story picks up some some baggage and it becomes harder to maybe uh, accept it doesn't really fit in with our expectations and, and, and we I think we can relate to that feeling that grace is good news until until it isn't this small community of people trying to hold on to their Jewish identity in the midst of a, a region in Galilee full of sort of Roman influence, trying to be very clear about who they were, uh, defined against and opposed to the cultures and religions and people around them. It, it's itself a space of sort of a hotbed of like unrest, sort of other Messiah types would rise to lead revolts out of this region. And to all of that, Jesus stands and says, The year of Jubilee, grace, the good news. Uh, will reach further than you expect. 
will spill over boundaries uh, and will be, in fact, un, uncomfortable. You can hear the, the people, right? And maybe, maybe this is a feeling you know. You're like, wait, 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 wait. I thought you were on our side. <laughs> uh, even in our current sort of moment, uh, lots of chat about uh, we, we sort of want to commandeer Jesus for our side. And you can hear it. God, wait, I thought you were on our side. Grace and favor, all that is great when it's ours. But now you're telling me it's also theirs. And this is the tension. This is the rub. Grace is good news until, until it's, it's not. And, and this is what I think happens then. Uh, we see it in our story. The grace is good news until it's not. And when it's not, we typically want to throw it off a cliff. <laughs> right? Uh, that that, that, that uh, we're okay with grace to a, to a point, uh, but then when it sort of spills over our expectations and assumptions and boundaries, uh, well, then it gets a little uncomfortable. And typically when that happens, we just want to push it off a cliff. When we see it in our story this morning, you can feel it. I mean, I think it makes sense. They heard these things. You know, they, they went from like, oh, this is a beautifully gracious word. Wait a minute. You mean this word extends even to uh, them? And, and in response, they heard these things all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. Right? Again, I think sometimes we read that. I want to be really critical of the crowd, but I... I think as Luke tells the story, we, we can understand a bit of that feeling. We know, I think, sometimes the awkwardness of grace. It's a story, I think, it, it drips with irony, right? It, it's dripping with irony that Jesus has come to announce the Lord's favor, yet in this moment he receives none from the people around him. I promise, uh, I, promise I will let it go, but the, uh, Encanto is messing with me, Right? <laughs> It's like three weeks in a row. Honest, I will, I will put it to rest. But uh, I, it's, it's just kind of messing with me, the, the story of this family sort of given all these gracious gifts. And, uh, but yet there's all these like fun family dynamics, like uh, people feel on the outside or people are excluded or don't quite fit and all, all these kinds of uh, things. It's a beautiful story for all kinds of reasons, but it's messing with me a, a little bit, not least because the songs just won't go away. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but there's this moment, sort of the matriarch in the family, you know, the, the lead character, uh, one of the uh, grandchildren singing. Sort of the, let's be clear, Abuela, the, the, the matriarch, she runs this show. And so then the story is sort of her effort to kind of manage this gracious gift that their family has been given, to control it, to use it for good, but to, to kind of manage this uh, gift. And she sings herself later that somehow we have to earn the miracle that somehow found us. This kind of grace with, with strings attached. I, I, think, I think that feeling is, is sort of maybe pulsing through the story a little bit. Grace is okay as long as we can kind of keep it under control. And it's easier to keep it under control when, when there's just a few strings attached so that we can kind of uh, measure it and maintain it. Because I think grace just, as Jesus describes it here, sort of scandalously given beyond the boundaries with which we are comfortable, it's scary. Threatens our security, our sense of control. And yet Jesus stands up in his hometown. They know him. But in this moment, he flips it and says, I know you. Grace is good news, yes, until it isn't. And in that moment, I think we, like they, we typically want to, we just want to nudge it off a cliff because it's a little harder to, to manage. 
But here's uh, what I think. I think, uh, I think in the story of Jesus uh, that this, this moment is also really, to circle all the way back around, it's really, really good news. Why? Because I, I think what we see here is that grace, even, even in spite of our repeated attempts to uh, push it off the cliff, right, um, grace just keeps coming back. It keeps, it keeps coming back. As I was sort of writing and thinking about this moment, I mean, this feels a little like a zombie movie, which is not the impression I want to create, right? That, you know, we keep sort of pushing grace away and off, and it keeps coming back like, ugh, grace. But, uh, again, that's not the feeling I want to create here. But I think in the story of Luke's gospel, what we find is that, is that the grace of God in Jesus is this relentless push that, that won't be tempted to pursue another way like we saw in the wilderness, but that also won't be tempted to kind of live within the safe assumptions and expectations that we want to put on it. You know, this is sort of how we think it should, should look as long as it works on our behalf. Know that grace is relentlessly uh, pushing and coming back again and again and again. What, what, what I'm trying to say here is that uh, the grace of God uh, in the mission and person of Jesus in your life and, and mine, uh, and it has this sort of larger context. At the risk of being really boring, I want to show you an outline of Luke's gospel <laughs> to maybe drive the, the point home. So uh, again, you, you know, you can break outlines in all kinds of ways. This sort of general structure as, as you take, take in the, the, the book as a whole. And, and we've lived in the first four chapters or so, right? Jesus' birth, all the promises and fulfillments and songs. And we took a turn uh, in chapter four, uh, where Jesus is where we are now. Jesus begins his ministry after ever coming out of the baptism and the temptation and, and the wilderness. Now he begins his ministry, goes to his hometown, which we read this morning, makes this announcement. God's grace will, will scandalously spill over the boundaries that we have created. Uh, but then, and so, so then his, this, uh, in Luke's telling, the story of Jesus sort of lives in this space in the region of Galilee, continuing to sort of uh, bring this message, this, this mission home. But then in chapter 9, it takes a turn, uh, and uh, there's a shift in the narrative where Jesus begins heading towards Jerusalem. The, kind of, the, the center of all the sort of sentiments that we find expressed in this first sermon, those feelings of uh, this can't be what you mean, all of those feelings, sort of the center, the, 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 the seat of power for all those things here in this moment, Jerusalem. So he turns towards Jerusalem. And then the last sort of section of the book, the stories with which we are familiar Take place in Jerusalem, the death, resurrection, this trial, all of these things, these moments we will celebrate very soon in the season of the life of the church. But, but it's that third uh, move that I think has some significance, um, again, which just, just to get a feel, a sense of the story of what is happening, right? That, that turn towards Jerusalem in chapter 9. This is what Luke says, right? So we've lived with this sermon, its implications in the region of Galilee, and then in 951, Luke says, when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, which he, he's, he's told the disciples just moments before that in, in chapter 9. He said, the Son of Man will suffer many things. He'll be rejected. Elders, chief priests, and others will reject him. He'll be killed. But on the third day, he'll be raised. They didn't know what he was talking about. But, but Jesus, in that moment, setting his face uh, directly into the the, the, the center of that rejection uh, that awaits him. And I hear in this moment the, the truth that he introduces us to in that first sermon, that grace just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. Even when, we, even when we try to throw it off a cliff or when we try to nail it to a tree, grace is relentlessly pursuing 
God's mission and purpose, favor and goodness in your life and in the world. This is the story of Jesus, what he's come to do. And that is very, very, very good news. It's good news for you, me. It, it's good news. It's good news when, when we're the ones on the outside of whatever those lines are. It's, it's good news for us, as Jesus says over and over again, for those for whom status and, and uh, significance have been you know, brushed aside, the, the captive, the poor, the blind. It's, it's good news when, when that is you. But it's also good news for you and me when our assumptions and our self-righteousness, all the ways we think it should go, don't quite add up, and we want to push it away, and, and we hear the good news that he continues to come, and he sets his face, and he comes again and again to work his grace in our lives. This is the good news for you and me, that his mercy, the favor of God is big enough for our brokenness and also big enough for our self-righteousness that he comes after us again and again, relentlessly refusing to give up. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, Visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.